Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Now, good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. MJ Cleary with you for the next hour, bringing you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me. I hope calving is going well for you all. Weather, weather and more weather is what we are interested in at the moment. Cool for the next few days with milder temperatures for the early days of next week. However, there is rain promised, so it's dry weather is what we're after now. Fingers crossed that we get it sooner rather than later, Friday being the 1st of March. So that's what everybody is hoping for at the moment. Now, the show this week, in a moment, Adam Woods from the Farmer's Journal will join me to chat about the livestock trade. Also, an update on Tullamore Farm. Also, this evening, IPAV, the Institute of Professional Auctioneers and Valuers, they launched their farming report this week, and it contains all the info about land prices over the last 12 months, so 2023. Pat Davitt, their chief executive, joins us to chat through the figures. And the surprising thing is that even though milk price fell and inputs were still sky high last year, land prices continued to increase, rising from an average price of 9,500 euros, 9,500 in 2020, to 12,840 euro last year. So over the course of three years, that's nearly a 3,000, just over, I should say, a 3,000 euro increase in land price. So we will delve through those a little bit later here on the programme. Tierlawn had their annual Grain Awards last week and the Leash family came out with a top prize. John, Mark and Anne Deering from Emo were awarded the Tierlawn Quality Grain Award for 2023. John Keeley, a county leashman, is the head of grain with Tierlawn and he joins me to chat about the awards. And also studies which they have done in Tierlawn alongside Chagas to find out what the carbon footprint of Irish grain actually is. CIFA is an organisation set up by forestry companies to give themselves a united voice when negotiating with government on policy, etc. Parag Egan from Dune in County Offaly is joining me from the group later to chat about how he feels the new forestry programme is actually stalling the planting of trees as opposed to making it more straightforward. The main reason for this is that the new forestry programme does not want trees planted on peaty type soil. Traditionally, that is the type of land that all trees were planted on, so it's a little bit of a head-scratcher. Parig will join me later to shed some light on this area. Now, as always, text the show with your comments, thoughts or questions to 083 30 10 103. Be happy to put anything to our guests here this evening. Now, to kick off, Adam Woods from the Irish Farmers Journal joins me. Adam, many thanks for joining me on the programme this evening. Good evening, MJ. Uh, beef trade start off, uh, Adam, and uh, factories putting downward pressure on prices the last week or 10 days. Yeah, a little bit sluggish there, MJ. Really disappointing, to be honest, because, um, you know, cattle that are coming out of sheds now are some of the dearest cattle of the year in terms of coming in at a, at a dear time in October and November when store prices were pretty high. You know, they've been on expensive feed in terms of silage and meal um, and coming out now, you know, as I said, they're the most expensive cattle. We've seen, you know, prices probably drop back there, five, ten cent factories talking about five euros base for next week. I don't know will they get there. Um, you know, factories or cattle are quite tight out there on farms in terms of supplies. The big thing that's, that's swaying the shift in power to factories is the cow kill. Cow kill is up 1,200 a week um, on the same week in 2023. A lot of dairy cows being killed down south in terms of pressure on the nitrates and cull cows uh, going off those farms, P1 cows. So that's leading, you know, they're filling manufacturing trade contracts with that cow beef. Um, and ironically, 
cow beef is actually quite steady in terms of cow prices and especially young suckler cows are very good trade um, I think this will be a blip MJ I don't think it'll last that long I'd say maybe three, four weeks max um, until we get back into tighter numbers and I think the farmers it will, it'll, the power will shift back to farmers then hopefully because you know numbers I just can't see it in terms of what we have estimated we're back 40,000 on 2023 we're already up a couple of thousand for the first few weeks of, of 2024 so we've got a long way to come back uh, to hit that and with live exports and everything going there I think numbers are even going to be tighter you, you know you have a, you have a southern based export at the moment there are on livestock sourcing 600 kilo plus bulls they're coming out of the factory's net um, and the more we can see of that I think the more we can shift the power back to farmers yeah, you kind of answered my question there in the middle of uh, that, Adam, because I was going to ask you how in God's name on the 1st of March could the prices be being pulled. But as you said, it's as a result of the number of cows being killed. Unsurprisingly, really, that there is a number, especially down the south, coming with all that pressure on uh, nitrates. You might have heard it start as well, going talking about land prices after the break. And uh, one of the big reasons for this push on land prices, again, nitrates, 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 it's the word on everyone's lips. And uh even though the beef farmer might think they're a bit immune sometimes to the dairy trade or not really because here's the, the dairy cow coming in and uh, lessening the beef price. Absolutely, 63% of our cattle now are originally from the dairy herd so it's a massive factor in terms of what happens and you know it's, it's probably the last choice for dairy farmers to do in terms of culling cows or cutting back numbers which you see and you're going to talk about it later in the show in terms of land rental prices and land prices they've really skyrocketed in the last 12 months so some farmers have no choice but to uh, offload cows in, in order to be nitrates compliant and that's just a decision they've made but it definitely is impacting the beef trade but I think if we get through another couple of weeks I think we'll see that trade turn uh, definitely up to May, June time I think and you could look at farmers need that we, we have it in the in, in, in the paper this week in terms of the Chagas budget back last October was looking for you know sort of 580 uh, as a break even price if you add on 100 euros in terms of labour and, and margin you're up at 618 of a kilo and our plus bullock this week is 536 so we're 82 cents behind uh, where we need to be that's 200 250 ahead and you know that just can't happen in terms of on smaller farms you know on bigger farms they're probably on contracts they're on a lot more than than 536 but it's, it's a very sad day that the small farmer with the two or three bullocks going into the factory next week it's them that's paying for that contract for the bigger feeder yeah, and you mentioned live exports there as well, Adam, and a company down south looking for 600 kilo plus, obviously very heavy cattle. Uh, there were also contracts up this part of the world for Frisian um, bulls, I believe. Um, the live export trade, what's pushing that at the moment, Adam? What part of the world are they going to? Do you know what? I think this is going to be the story of 2024 in terms of Irish live exports. Um, they're going to North Africa, they're going to Turkey, they're going to the Middle East. Um, all very, very hungry for Irish cattle. Uh, ironically, it's actually suckler-bred cattle a lot of these countries are looking for. Everybody else puts a value on suckler cows except Ireland, it seems. But anyway, that's probably for another day. I won't go down that road. Um, but de- definitely, live exports, really strong start. 6,900 to Algeria already in the first couple of weeks of January and February. Uh, there's a boat docking in Green Ore at the end of this week. Uh, that's to head to North Africa next week. Obviously, you've got Corzon livestock looking for bulls for Algeria, 600 kilo plus. So you've numerous contracts there, and we see that in the market at the moment in terms of that Weanland trade. Weanland bull trade is, is really, really hot, and that's live exporters are driving that trade at the moment. And look, it's really, really positive to see. Calf exports, maybe, uh, you know, a bit of a blip last week. Both didn't go until the weekend in terms of shipping uh, to France. So that put a little bit of pressure on. Uh, big, big numbers out this week, and we're seeing a huge difference between a low-quality calf now and a high-quality calf, and probably 50 kilo. Um, 50 kilos is the, is, is, the, is the benchmark there. Under 50 kilos, not a lot of customers, exporters don't want them. Over 50 kilos, 
in terms of Frisian bull calves and in terms of the traditional Hereford Angus, they're definitely a better trade. And obviously we're seeing that CBV, that commercial beef value up on boards, that's helping a little bit in terms of determining what to buy and what not to buy. But it's early days yet for that calf export trade, but uh, hopefully we'll see no blips that we'll see good weather because we know what that can do in terms of bad weather in terms of the ship not sailing and how, how that can impact the trade. Yeah, just a word on the March trade, uh, Adam, and we'll, uh, as you said, uh, started with the uh, the calf trade. I remember last year, a lot of the Mars down the south, they started putting up calf weights, and you mentioned them there. Is that the kind of the given now that calves are, are weighed going into the ring in the, in the calf marts, especially down south? Absolutely. Last year we've seen that that was trialled in a number of marts. This year we're seeing it, it's an absolute must because uh, buyers are, are, are using that 50 kilo mark as, 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 as whether they buy or whether they don't buy. And like we've seen this week, cows making as low as five euros a kilo, ten, sorry, five euros a head or ten euros a head. And they were, some of them was Hereford cows, some of them was Angus cows, but well, they're just too light. Um, a lot of marts in the south as well turning away calves now that aren't meeting a, a required, we'll say, weight uh, coming in or, or a required sort of age um, in terms of being a quality calf. You know, the marts are saying, look, we just don't have customers for those calves. There's no point in bringing them in here. Some of them are actually implementing a five euro a head charge for unsold calves as a handling charge. So that's trying to put, put off, I guess, dairy farmers for bringing calves in that, that aren't going to be sold. So as I said, it's, it's probably early days with huge numbers going to come out. The DNA calf registration has delayed things a little bit in terms of calves getting out to Marts, um, but I, I know Bandon this week at something like 1,300 calves up from 900 last week, so we're starting to build all the time there, and, and we'll, we'll see huge numbers now out in the next couple of weeks. What are we talking at the moment, Adam, for your kind of, what are we, 28 of February, say, month, five-week-old Frisian bull, uh, you know, reasonable quality, looks going to be Holstein in them, but maybe not, not, not too bad a shape, over the 50 kilos. Whereabouts is that market? Yeah, looking at our map business table this week, we're probably sort of around sort of 40 to 70, maybe there at the moment, 70 for the very tops, uh, back to 40 for, for, for maybe lighter calves. You'll see that drop back a bit more, I'd say, maybe in time as numbers start to come out. Uh, just looking at sort of, uh, you know, up to 21-day-old Angus heifers, they're back at sort of 90 to 120 this week. Um, and I'd say they, they could come under a little bit of pressure as well um, in time because we're seeing a lot more of those Angus and Hereford calves coming out a lot earlier um, because of sex semen um, and farmers not, not having to use that Frisian semen for a long time. Um, we're seeing those beef bread calves come out a lot earlier this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out in price and, and whether there'll be demand there for those Angus and Hereford calves, I guess, or will it be farmers um, will we'll be buying them over the next couple of weeks. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, finally, Adam, the Mart trade, store trade, I just have Mart bids in front of me here. A couple of prices from Burr on Monday. Uh, 278 kilo Hereford Bullock, 810 uh, 261 kilo Hereford Bullock 720 like these are not you know runners basically is what they are yes, just weight yes. and they're in around 800 euro and then we're seeing you know your headline tomorrow winter finishers losing 200 ahead on stores but still they're going back and buying um, sometimes you have to scratch the head about the beef trade <laughs> you do you do there's a lot of secrets in the beef trade that, that a lot of people don't know I guess going back to the live exports it's actually live exports as I said dictating those younger runner type calves being a good trade because the farmer that was buying those maybe weanlands um, in the market live exporters coming in mopping them up and it's pushing the farmer back to that maybe lighter, uh, you know, dairy bread calf for grazing. And we're seeing, I was talking to a buyer last week who said he was buying those sort of runners or those calves sort of 250, 300 kilos, buying them at 600, 650 last October, November. They've, they've, they've lifted now to 800, 850 at the moment, given the demand that's there. And, you know, buyers down south are starting to buy for grass, but they're being shifted into that lighter calf. So that's really brought that price of that calf way up uh, this spring. Mm, yeah, it's, it's strong money for uh, for an animal of that size. Adam, that's lovely. I'm going to say many thanks for joining me and giving us a rundown on that and we'll chat to you on the programme in the not-too-distant future. Cheers, Andrew.
Adam Woods there from the Farmer's Journal. I'm going to shoot to a break immediately because I have Pat Davitt from IPAV uh, coming up after the break and he's going to be speaking about their land survey and how land prices have increased year on year since 2020. We're now over €12,500 per acre on average and also we're going to have a word on the leasing market for 2023 and indeed uh, 2024, so stay tuned for that. Country Life on Midlands 103 Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands worshaw.ie and you're very welcome back to Country Life here in Midlands 103. Now we are moving on to land prices and we have Pat Davitt from IPAV, the Institute of Professional Auctioneers and Valuers on the line. Pat, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Good evening, MJ. Thank you very much for giving me the chance. Uh, more than welcome, Pat. It's your annual land survey out this week. It's based on the 2023 figures. We'll go through it in a moment, but initially just flicking down through it, awful lot of work going into a study like this, Pat. Yeah, a lot of work goes into it from members throughout the country and they're good enough to give us the figures on sales they've completed and obviously we compile the whole lot then together and we compile it into four different provinces. Uh, so we have land prices for the four different provinces and then we have a total land price for the full country as to where it was last year and where it was this year. Uh, so it gives us an average of the increase that were in the land. And we're obviously aware of the fact that there are many, many sales that other agents do beside IPAV agents. So this is an IPAV report and it's for IPAV sales that IPAV members have done. Yeah, absolutely, Pat. And it gives a great indication, as you say, of what's happening throughout the country. The big figure, I suppose, is the average land price. And you take, take into account all the sales and divide them up and see what we get. And just looking at it on the front of your report here, and it's in a very straightforward manner to digest what I like uh, is the little graph you have and it shows an upward curve from 2020 through to 2023. I said it to the listeners here at the start of the programme, 9,500 per acre in 2020 and that figure has gone up to 12,840 in 2023. So we're talking over €1,000 a year increase in the last three years, which is surprising, uh, Pat, given last year's milk price and also increased input price. I suppose this year is very, or 2023 is very surprising because of the, uh, obviously all of the bad weather that this, this was in Ireland and, and, and the way the different uh, different types of farming went, like from dairy and right down to tillage and, and uh, from pigs and uh, all of the different ones, they all fell in value, sucklers especially. And if you look at the whole lot of them, like even over all of the years, since we started this some seven years ago, in 2016, the land price is up by 46%. And even from 2020, from 2021, it's up by 24%, which is a huge increase. But when you look at the different things that are driving it, I suppose it's still, uh, land is still being bought by a lot of people who are milking. And they're the biggest, uh, dairy farmers are the biggest amount of farmers that are buying land. Still, business people are buying it, but the changes in the budget where they could only claim their tax on rental income if they own the land for seven years, has helped a bit for uh, farmers to uh, not be in competition that much with business uh, people or business owners. But there's still quite a bit of money going into land, and even we see from some uh, people that are investing in land are selling up uh, housing. They were landlords in housing and selling them and putting the money into land. So there's quite a bit of uh, money coming into it because it seems to be a safe investment or people believe it's a safe investment, which it looks to be over the past number of years anyway. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. If you're looking at your graph, uh, Pat, here on the front from 2016 through to 2023, you'd be happy if you did invest back in 2016 at 8.750 an acre and now you're 12,840. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's it's as good as what's going and your money is uh, is safe, safe as houses, for want of a better word. Uh, looking down through a couple of the other interesting parts of it, Pat, and one of them is the average land forestry price so obviously we had the new forestry plan came in last year and I'm going to be speaking about it at the end of the programme actually there are great payments to be had especially for hardwoods over the course of the 20 year period it must have had a knock on effect I'm just seeing Leinster we're sticking with that one but uh, average land forestry price in Leinster according to the survey 5,663 euro uh, which is uh, it's, it's, it's quite a price it's quite a price, and Connacht is the highest price that uh, we came across in the survey of 6,300. But like even the price from the lowest to 5,600 to 6,300 is only 600 euros in the difference. It's still a lot of money for forestry and for the return of the sinners. And obviously the replanting of the land has to be done with little premiums or no premiums at the end of the, uh, for the second bunch of land because really it's a gen- generational crop, as you know, MJ. Mm-hmm. So... That while there are, and the new forestry plan is helpful, but there aren't that much land going into forestry, or there isn't that much land going into forestry from our, what we can see across the country, not near what the government would like to be going into it. So whether it's a grant change in the first uh, crop, or whether it's the grant change after that that's going to make the difference to bring people into it, I suppose that's up for them to decide, but it certainly looks like it's the second crop that is going to change uh, the land values and put a lot more land into forestry. Uh, another interesting area, Pat, and that is one that everybody involved in agriculture, uh, be it a dairy farmer because you're prob- or a tillage farmer because you're looking to lease land, or maybe it might be an older farmer who's looking for a retirement package and they want to hang on to their land as their asset. And it's something that years and years ago, people were afraid of it in Ireland. Oh, I'd never rent land. I wouldn't let somebody in. They'd destroy it. They'd do this and that. And it's amazing how it has changed in the last number of years, five, six, seven years. It's all turned around. And people are very anxious now for leasing land as a result of the tax benefits. I'm seeing that in Leinster uh, last year, Leinster and Munster were pretty much tied at what I'm guessing is about 310 or 320 an acre seems to be the average. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, the average is in the region of three, uh, 320. 300 to 350, I think, would be an average rate, but 320 is the actual uh, average, I'd say, for Munster and uh, Leinster. And, uh, like, yes, the when when I used to rent land many, many years ago, it was all Conacre land, and on 11 months, it was, the land was all rented. And that changed completely when the long-term leasing came along. But the only reason the long-term leasing was such a success and the efficiency there was because of the... Uh, tax incentives and those tax incentives are very very uh, good for older farmers that want to hold on to their land as you say as an asset maybe pass it on to family members later in their life or maybe when they die and uh, obviously get a tax incentive on their money which is brilliant and then it allows younger farmers to come into the uh, land business but I think auctioneers indeed would be very would be concerned that this came out in the survey at the price being paid for some of the land rentals and whether that price can actually uh, continue to be paid for the land is another is 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 another scenario altogether. Uh, like if you have uh, farmers paying five six hundred for land, it's a huge amount of money, and expect that to be paid over a five or a seven year term on a, on on a long term agreement. Uh, and auctioneers are concerned about it. Uh, probably not the only people that are concerned about it, but we are uh, concerned to a certain degree about these prices. So 
average pricing is obviously much better, but the average prices are quite high even when you see 300, 350. Uh, even at that, it's still expensive enough and it's up a good bit on last year. Any issues, Pat, with your members of these big leases that were paid maybe two years ago and 18 months ago for the 550, 600, where uh, farmers have come back and tried to renegotiate them? Or are we just maybe at the very start of that yet, if it does occur? Um, I've only heard of that a couple of times, MJ, but I'm expecting to hear more of it. Mm. Uh, And some uh, farmers are coming back to uh, try and renegotiate and obviously the lease agreement is there and it's a five or a seven year lease agreement or maybe even 10 years in some cases and it's there, uh, rent reviews may well be in it and if they are well then maybe some of the farmers are lucky but if the rent review is on market rents well then well and good but if it's not, uh, farmers are stuck in a situation where they have taken the land and are they going to pay or are they not going to pay for it? So it, it is, I think, going to cause a problem for the future. I think for some farmers, there's no doubt about that. And obviously for auctioneers that have rented the land. But the legal agreements, uh, we actually had James James on that uh, uh, programme that we did or the webinar that we did for the launch of this the seven-year, the IFA lease is being changed slightly at the moment uh, to, to, to allow for something like this, but also to allow for a lot of the payments where the, the, the entitlements and everything are gone now with the greening and everything and the crisp and all that sort of. So it's going to be changed uh, slightly, ever so slightly from that point of view, but also on this format of the farmers paying for land on a seven or a five year period. So I think there's going to be some problems there going forward. I haven't heard much about them right now. But I'd say it's possible that we will. And I hear your programme on and off and you're talking about this. So I'd say that we will obviously see it maybe the back end of next year, the year after. Yeah, it all depends, I suppose, Pat, doesn't it, on, uh, on prices and milk prices more so than anything. This year, look, we're starting off at 40, 42. It's not in the right home boat uh, with them yet. It's early in the year, but we'll, we, we'll see. I suppose that's, a, that's what we, we have to wait and uh, see how it plays out. Lastly, Pat, just forecast for 2024. Uh, interest rates at the moment higher than we'd like them to be uh, involved in agriculture. Are they going to have a bearing on the buying and selling of land in, well, purchasing of land, I should say, in 2024? Well, they didn't have an, a, a big bearing in 2023. And as you rightly say, there's an expectation, I suppose, out there that milk prices will level off. Uh, it, I suppose it remains to be seen whether that's only hope-based or sentiment. Uh, prediction is, is, is one thing, but actually happening is another. Uh, that didn't seem to have any great effect on the land price this year, but that doesn't say, like at the moment, land prices are still actually uh, crawling up. So that uh, the interest rates don't seem to have a, a lot of a lot of effect on land prices right now, but obviously, if we were lucky enough that even with the ten interest rates hikes that we had, they were only small hikes, like they were maybe a quarter percent, half percent, that type of thing. Like I've seen over the years, there could be an interest rate hike, and there could be two percent, and there could be another two percent the following month. Whereas in this, we had ten interest rate hikes, and the land still or the prices, the interest rates still only went up over three percent. So it looks like yes that land prices are still going to continue to move on. I don't know what's going to slow down the ship because this year was an ideal year that things could have had slowed down, but they went on. So it's difficult to say, MJ, what's going to happen in the future. 
Yeah, absolutely, Pat. Uh, well, we rely on the likes of yourselves putting together that data and uh, and looking at it and then trying to make an informed decision, I suppose, as a business owner or a farmer, yeah. if you're, you're going to go and, and, and purchase or, uh, or get a loan and ensure that you can uh, meet repayments and whatnot. But look, at the end of the day, Pat, Irish land is a good investment. You know, uh, that's what your uh, studies show. And I suppose over the years, it has always shown that. And uh, that's a positive for uh, agriculture and for farmers in general here, not only in the Midlands, but throughout the country. Country. Yeah, it is a very it's a it's a big positive, and it's a it's a positive. I know that down in Munster, the land is the most expensive part of the country, but at the same time, land in every other uh, province as well is well up there and a lot better off or better higher prices than they were five and six years ago, which is obviously good for Irish land. So, uh, looking sunny at the moment, I would say. Very good. Many thanks for that, Pat, and we will speak Thank to you again on the program. Thank you, MJ. Uh, Pat David there from IPAV and now we're going to shoot to a break immediately because uh, coming up after the break I'm going to be speaking all about tillage John Keeley he's the head of grain with Tierlawn is going to be talking to us about their recent National Grain Awards and also studies they've done with Chagas on what exactly the carbon footprint is of Irish grain so stay tuned Country Life on Midlands 103 brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands worshaw.com and you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to tillage and we have John Keeley, the head of grain with Tierlawn on the line. John, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Thank you very much, MJ. Uh, you're more than welcome, John. Two areas to chat about over the next few minutes and one is the studies yourselves and Chagas have undertaken on the carbon footprint of Irish grain and the other is your National Grain Awards which took place last week. We'll start with those and the Leash family took the top gong. Yeah, no, so as a, a proud leaseman myself, MJ, uh, yeah, we were delighted. Uh, these are annual awards now at this stage. So do we recognise 14 different growers across 14 different categories of grain uh, that would be delivered to ourselves. So it's something that we have a very proud portfolio of grains coming at us and we pay probably above a, a feed price or we pay a premium price for those uh, grains and, and not in significant category for ourselves is our food grade oats. So uh, John and Mark Deering over there from uh, Emo in Leash, uh, they took home the overall award. So with a 14 uh, different individual awards and then probably the, the best of the best or the cream of the crop as we call it, uh, they take away the uh, the overall award. And yes, yeah, so the Deerings were lucky enough to take that prize this year. It was a crop of uh, food grade oats, which we end up processing there in our oatmeal in uh, Port Leash. And uh, the Deerings, uh, John, obviously doing things very right uh, on the farm. What are they doing different or what separates them then from um, other farmers? Obviously, look, everyone is producing it to a very high standard, but something stood out for them above the rest. And listen, sure, I suppose the, the in terms of the, the grain that's delivered to us is really what uh, judges is probably the, the, the number one uh, factor that we look at. But when you look at the Deerings themselves, it's probably a testament to the family. This is not their first uh, category win. It is their first time winning the overall award. But the, the regular feature, the regular feature at our awards in that while they don't necessarily win a category every year, but they'd certainly be in the short list for some of the different grains. So whether that would be for uh, oats, which they won for this year, or early in the past. So, uh, yeah, no, listen, a, a family that do the thing really well. There's a, a big attention to detail there on the farm. They, they, they do things right. They use great, great crops to, to grow a wide variety of, of crops and all are delivered at a very high standard into ourselves. You know, they're using 
mint till there in the farm they're using organic manures and a few bits and pieces like that. They work very closely then with uh, one of our uh, well-established agronomists in the patch, Tim Scott. So Tim um, is over from the the other side of the county, but Tim is work, Tim does a lot of work with the dealings in terms of putting the agronomy program together, putting the seeding program together, and looking after the crop nutrition, etc. So yeah, they, they make a good combination. Yeah, well, as you say, attention to detail. Uh, twenty twenty three was a tough year for tillage farmers, uh, John, and uh, no doubt that was the general message you were receiving from your growers in twenty twenty three. Just the weather never really kicked on. Uh, it was wet at the at the wrong times, and it was dry. At, I was it was wet, I should say, when it should have been dry, and it was dry when it should have been wet. And it was a year where tillage farmers would like to forget, I'd imagine. Yeah, and it's probably something we reflected on at the award ceremony in the collection there last week. It was something that was in stark contrast to, I suppose, the, the the previous awards. So we were celebrating what Andy Doyle, the famous journalist from the Farmers Journal, always called the Holy Trinity. So we have a good price, good weather uh, and good yields. And we certainly celebrated that in 2022. Mm. But it was around that, you know, when the when the 23 harvest crop was being sown, as you rightly summarised, the, the weather was the opposite to what was required to um, to. to replicate the success of 2022. So, yeah, listen, weather was against us at every stage. Then probably price uh, came off a record high. So we saw grain prices probably tumble to the tune of almost €100. Euros, so going from a, a probably a headline price of over 300 to just over 200 last harvest. So, yeah, c- certainly. Now, having said that, though, our intake probably dropped or grain, grain uh, area came down a couple of percent grain yield probably dropped off somewhere between 15, 16, 17% on a, on a national basis. But I said those two things combined with the price. Um, yeah, so the, listen, it was a, wasn't a, a wonderful year yeah, so we're, we're, I think we're all, we're all, uh, John, uh, tillage farmers, dairy farmers, sheep farmers, beef farmers, whatever area of agriculture in, everyone is looking forward for 2024 and just hoping we get the rubber of green uh, weather-wise. Just, uh, John, before I let you go, uh, interesting studies you're doing with uh, Chagas and it's on the area of the carbon footprint of Irish grain. And obviously, look, this is the area we're in now in, in the world and in, in life and in agriculture. Everything is about our emissions and our carbon emissions. Uh, how is tillage farming... And and specifically Irish tillage farming playing out when it comes to this game of carbon? Well, I, I would always classify tillage uh, and the Irish grain industry. We produce the best grain in the world, okay? And I'd say it's, on, it's, on our, it's our responsibility in terms of we're bringing this grain to market, both in feed, food, and in drinks uh, market. So what we want to do is to basically be able to stand over the claims that we make that this is the best grain. Uh, that's produced anywhere compared to other grain growing regions. So we undertook a study. It was initially to to be able to support our oats category, so which is exported uh, all over the world. So we wanted to be able to make claims uh, around the sustainability credentials of that grain. We undertook a massive study with uh, Chagas to uh, look at. Um, we looked at. For, we got forty eight growers to participate in it. They looked at 14 different crops on those farms and we covered uh, an area of about 11,500 hectares. Okay, oh, yeah. So, so that's, uh, we, had, we got information back on 14 crops, but like our major crops, winter wheat, moss and barley, winter barley, winter and spring oats, oilseed rape um, and beans. So they were all, they're all crops now that we have a significant bundle of data that we have very credible figures for. And when we stood back from and analysed the data, to be fair to Chagas, 
an Irish model using Irish-specific emission factors hadn't even been developed when we initiated this. So thanks to uh, Ronald O'Brien in Ch- in, and John Spink, uh, based down in Oak Park, the lads built the model up over that 18-month uh, period. And using our growers' data, they fed it in and we, we spat out the results that we uh, launched at our Grain Awards there last week. And those results being, John, are we uh, producing grain in an efficient manner? We're producing grain in, in an efficient manner. Um, I'd say we have some of the best yields in the world, and these are critical in terms of when we look at uh, a comparison across uh, many of the different grain-growing regions across the world, Irish grain compares very favourably. And if I just zone in on uh, oats, you're looking at, compared to the GFLI, which is the Global Feed Lifecycle Institute, that publishes a number every year for grain produced in different regions. But you look at Ireland, which has a, a moist climate producing high volumes of grain per unit of area, we could have a, a carbon footprint of half of many of our competitors mm. and significantly lower, significantly lower than most. So from an oats perspective, being able to stand over that, when you're selling into these high-value food markets, that's very important. Yeah, we have a great country for growing, be it grass, be it crops, be it whatever it is, uh, John. We have the uh, the ideal conditions, and that's what your studies show, and it is great to hear. We're just out of time, uh, John. I'm going to say many thanks. Great roundup there on all the different areas, and we will have you on the programme again, and we'll chat to you about tillage going forward. As you said, a proud leash man, so we're happy to have you on, and many thanks, John. Thank you, MJ. As I said, John Keeley there, Tierlon Head of Grain. Now, I'm going to shoot to a break really quickly because after the break, we're moving from Leash across to Offaly and we have Parig Egan. Parig is involved in CIFA, they're an organisation of forestry companies they've got together to give themselves a voice for when they're lobbying the government on policy, etc. And CIFA have a big issue with this new national forestry plan and they say that it is actually slowing down the rate at which new forests are being planted instead of speeding it up. And we are way off target with what the government wish to plant. So we're going to hear all about that in just a moment. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands, wrshow.ie. You're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103 with MJ Cleary for about the next 10 minutes. And we are moving on to the area of forestry and we have a proud Offaly man on the line. That's Parag Egan from Dune. Parag, many thanks for joining me this evening. No problem, MJ. How are you? Uh, we're going good, uh, Parig. We're going to kick uh, straight into it. You're chatting to us on behalf of your forestry organisation that you're involved in at CEFA, S-E-E-F-A. Tell us, uh, Parig, and tell the listeners, what exactly is CEFA? CEFA is a, a forestry organisation that stands for Social, Economic and Environmental Forestry Association. And basically, it's an association of all the forestry contractors and consultants in the country. Nearly they're all in there. So you have nine, eight or nine main companies that offer services right throughout the country. You have We have the main nursery in there, which is Nuns of Hardy. They supply the whole country with, uh, with trees. And then all them companies employ foresters who go out and, you know, process applications and felon licenses and forestry applications for farmers and landowners. And then you have individual um, foresters who are part of a group called AIFC. And AIFC as a body is is a member of CIFA as well. So we represent, I suppose, you could say over 90% of the forestry organisations in the country. And we set up, I think it's either three or four years ago, because 
we've seen the problems that me and you are going to discuss tonight and have been discussed right throughout the country in forestry and we weren't getting what we felt represented rightly at uh, national level and indeed at EU level and we, 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 we went to a delegation before this uh, new programme came out to Europe and we were continuing that. So broadly speaking, we, we represent the the, the grassroots, if you like, of forestry, mostly the establishment. In yeah, that. so all, all the people involved in, if I'm a farmer and I want to go and plant land, I'll go to a forestry company and they'll sort it out for me and they'll get the land ready and they'll tell me all the jigs and the reels and apply the paperwork and all that. And that's the, the people you represent. So that's fair enough. Mm. There was big talk then um, last year, Porg, and I featured it here in the programme, about this new forestry plan. And it got delayed and it pushed back and whatnot. And by the end of the year then, we finally got... Uh, it's in gear and it came with a lot of furore and it was great payments especially for hardwoods and it was over 20 years and it was payments per hectare and it was bigger than had ever been around before and it was uh, clapping and, and hoo-ha and you name it this was it this was going to sort out the forestry issue and then we had the government saying listen you have a forestry plan here now go off and plant a load of land and it'll help us with our carbon uh, issue uh, however Looking at the figures, and ye publish figures, uh, I think it's weekly or monthly, SIFA, uh, to show how much land has actually been planted. And it's not within a mile or 10 miles of what the government want. It's almost going the opposite direction. So what's the problem, Horig? Well, <laughs> listening to you there, for a minute you sounded like a PR man for the forestry side of Daffin. But And you're right, it did come over huge for I, and it was... Hugely anticipated, and it's just one point three billion, and they increased the premiums to, to go from FT one to FT twelve. FT is forest type one, which is the hardwoods that you spoke about, right down to the conifers, and the the premiums are in the FT twelve seven hundred and fifty, right up to eleven hundred a hectare, and then there was grants as well, and it it looked great on the face of it, but like everything, as we all know, the the devil is in the detail. Mm. And when the programme was delivered, now, we would have done a lot of, I suppose, lobbying, if you like, with the department and and uh, other organisations. We knew what was coming. In, you know, we knew the way they were going with the, the conditions that they were applying, that this just was not going to work. They have a target of, you said there, rightly, the department of 8,000 hectares. If you talk to DPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, they're saying we need to do 20,000, 30,000 hectares a year. Well, I can tell you in 2024, we'll be lucky if we do 1,200 hectares. I'm very lucky. Hmm. Because what people would plant normally, our farmers and landowners, is what we would always describe as the marginal land. And that's wiped out now because they introduced new rules regarding peat and peat depths. Now, we need to be careful when we start talking about peat because in your area in Offaly, you drive around Offaly, around the Midlands, you see the peat bogs, which was formerly Bordenwana. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about land that would have green grass on the top of the rushes, but because the soil underneath it, the department would say it's peat and that's subjective enough, they're saying anything over 30 centimetres, which is a foot, is out for conifers, and it would be very difficult. They're not saying it's out for hardwoods, but it would be very difficult to get it through. If you had less than 30 centimetres of foot, there's a whole lot of other conditions that you have to apply to. You have to hire ecologists and ornithologists to do reports on birds and different things. It, it wouldn't pay you to do an application 
are pulling through. Now, the minister will very quickly say to, oh, well, hold on, Park, we'll pay you for them uh, reports. And that's true. She will, or the department will, but only if you get approved and plant. So you, as the farmer or landowner, has to uh, take the risk. And even to broaden the whole a bit more, MJ, for many years, myself and lots of people like me in, in CIFA, you know, you'd come along and ask us to plant a piece of land and we'd look at it and say, yeah, that'll go through. And there was no huge cost in putting an application in. Now, because the way it's all changed, we as foresters and forestry companies are nearly, you know, we're knocking the land back. We're saying to the farmer, look, landowner, if you want to do that, it's going to cost you this and there's no guarantee at the far end. So with a stroke of a pen, if you like, and it's a big stroke of a pen with the new programme, the land that should be planted can't be planted. Now, I, I do agree there have to be certain environment. We have to protect the environment. But I suppose to just change it slightly, the land that will be or could be planted in this new programme is top quality mineral land with no drains or ditches nearly in it. Yeah, which, uh, Parag, uh, yeah which, which, as you well know, Parag, won't be planted because not far, at all. It's no. too, farmers are too hungry for it for uh, conventional farming. How, do we, solve, how do we solve this then, Parg? If you had magic wand and you could change it uh, in the morning, what is it just to change the soil type? Is, there, is it a simple fix at Atters or something else to it? No, no, no. It's, it's way more broader than that. So, look, at it, every year or every four years you have a, a the cap, the new cap thing comes out and forestry goes hand in glove with that. So, the last one was 2014 to 20 and then we knew it got delayed and it got delayed because of COVID and different things. So, it was to come in in 2020. It only came in last year and I think the midterm review is nearly up now which is an ideal opportunity. What the minister needs to do and more so her officials because they put this package together and they went over to Europe. And Europe has to approve it because it's under state aid rules. Now, just to be clear as well, forestry is not part of CAP. It could have been, but it's not. It's funded by their state, but the EU don't fund it. But the EU has to approve it because of uh, funding guidelines and state aid rules. The, the minister and her department need to set up a task force, which they're quite good at setting up task force, but it needs to be a real one with teeth, and bring all the stakeholders, like us, like the sawmills, like the farming organisations, IFA, there's loads of them out there, a, a good representative group. We need to bring the science in as well, and we need to come together with a plan that works for Ireland. And on that, Parag, I'm going to just leave it there because we're just going to run out of time and it's something that we're going to follow up on uh, with you because it's an area that is not going to go away. This whole area of forestry, yourself, CIFA, are going to continue to lobby for it. But work needs to be done. A task force needs to be set up between all of the different bodies. Uh, on that, Parag, I'm just going to say many thanks for joining me this evening, giving us a rundown on it. We could stay speaking about it all night, but we'll catch up on it again in the not-too-distant future. And thanks for joining me here on the programme. OK, thanks, thanks, MJ. Uh, Parag Egan there from CIFA. Look, it's a complicated area, there's no question about it, but the fact that the uh, forestry programme, which was brought in last year, is actually stifling uh, new plantations is, I don't know, it beggars belief really a little, doesn't it? And the fact that uh, the government believe that farmers are going to go out and plant grade A land, uh, free draining land with uh, with no drains around it and the best of ground. It's just, look, it's not going to happen. And the figures show 1,200 hectares is what's going to be planted in 2024. The aim is 8,000. The EPA reckon it should be 20,000. 
Uh, that is it for this evening's programme. I'd like to thank Parig, thank John Keeley there from Tierlawn, Pat David from IPAV and also Adam Woods at the start of the hour. Show is repeated Sunday morning, 7am I should say, to 8am. I'll be back with you this time next week as always. You can get us on a podcast on Friday, wherever you get your podcast, type in MJ space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y and we'll pop up. We'll talk to you in seven days. Good night and God bless. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. WOrshaw.ie